0: So what a nice word from Pashas Bvaidu, okay? A word from Ruchaim Mekudesh. Ruchaim Mekudesh explains the the different lashonis of the gilu, the different lashonis of the gilu that that, um, that the Pusik mentions, right? And all the of the gilu we say it, but a, uh, but a side. Vetzaysi, vitzalti, vugalti, vlekachti. She explains that there are four. There were four stages in gilus in gilus mitzrayim, in the gilus and gilus mitzrayim. She says vetzaysi eshem is metachasivless mitzrayim. That was the toyka for shibbut. It was a big shibbit, very hard work. The Madriam were were forcing Eden to do the you know the hard work. And I wish to help that they got out of that problem. But right when the Makkah started, they, they, they didn't have to work anymore. But he says, but the Eden was still doing some work. They were still doing work even though even when they didn't have to. They were still afraid of the mitzvah, they were intimidated, and they didn't yet feel free, even though they were. And they, they kept on doing light work. They weren't doing the avodist perech that they were doing before that, but they were still doing light work. And on that, the Ayy gave another separate ge'illah. It wasn't just something that, that phased away as time went on. This was something that they were under a certain spell, a certain fear, and, and, and they couldn't get out of it. And that's why the Ayy had to give a, a new It's vetzalti eschem Right, I, I, I saved you from the avoider that you were doing on your own, and then and that they shouldn't have to work at all. And then the is when they actually left Mitzrayim, the is when they is when they got the Torah. So what was interesting to me when I saw this Vart was that sometimes people don't realize that a lot of the shibud people have. A lot of times people feel oppressed. People feel, you know, mm-hmm. that that they, they they're, they're forced to do things and they're working hard and and they you know they, they're they're complaining about about a bunch of different difficulties they have. And sometimes you don't realize that, similarly to, similar to what happened in Mitzrayim, um, some of it was, was, was self-imposed. There was, uh, there was obviously a lot of work that the Mitzrayim were making, need didn't do, but it, there was a stage, and it could be this was even when they were still working with the Mitzrayim, also maybe to some extent that they were actually doing more than they even had to. But certainly later when the Mitzrayim weren't even forcing them anymore, there was a self-imposed, self-inflicted work that they were doing. And like I said, it wasn't something that just by, by, by itself just faded away because it wasn't happening anymore. No, it happens. People are simply afraid and they can't get out of something. And they needed they needed the Irish to take them out of that. And it just made me think that sometimes we don't realize how often we have these, we have these um, self-imposed limitations or difficulties or challenges people have. And then people complain about it. And what's more than anything else, what's worse than anything else, I should say, is that people use it against other people so what happens you have a husband and wife that are, that are helping each other and doing things for each other now there are things that you should be doing for someone else there are things you're obligated to do for someone else there are things that your spouse is asking you to do and even demanding of you and those are the things that a lot of times people complain about because they don't want to be obligated or demanded to do anything but then there are things that you do on your own either because you want to feel good about yourself or because you feel obligated and you think that is the right thing for you to do or because you think that if you don't do it someone's going to be upset at you which is similar to what Eden had with the mitzvim they were still afraid and then you get, you get upset at when you say, you know, you know what I'm doing for you? You know how much I'm working for you? You know, you know I stayed up last night to do this, to cook that, to clean this, um, to arrange this, you know, to pay for that. And you don't have to. Now, if you want to do something voluntarily and you want to be a good martyr of a spouse, that, that's wonderful. And it is wonderful. It is wonderful to, you know, to, to self-nullification and do everything for someone else and just put yourself out. I mean, I'm just, I'm just kidding, it's not really wonderful, but I mean to say that if you want to be a very good person and have someone else in mind, you know, with no repercussions and not asking back for anything, you know, oh, wow, chesed shalemes. But if you're going to use it against someone and say, you know how hard I work for you? And people do this to their spouse, people do this to their children. You know what I did for you? Again, if you want to do it with a smile and you make someone feel good about it, that's great. It's great. Or if somebody is asking something of you, is too hard, and you say, you know, you're asking of me something very difficult, okay, so at least you have a right to, to explain to someone that, you know, you think you're taking advantage of me. But if you're doing it to yourself and using it against someone else, that's something that, you know, you should think about. And very often that's what happens. People wear themselves out. People, people get angry and upset over things that, that, that they're doing to themselves and then they're giving it out on other people. So that's just something I thought that you know, we could learn from this. And we can have that, that personal in these areas where we're basically just working ourselves thin and, and, and giving it out on other people. Okay, so with that, let's address a question that came in. Um, and it goes like this. And... You know, I I don't know how many people are going to find themselves in the exact situation that the questioner finds herself in, um, but I do believe that that uh, you know whatever we'll be discussing hopefully will be a benefit to a lot of people in different kind of relationships. So let's let's just get started over. Thank you so much for your clear and straightforward answer to this and all other questions. Okay, so you're welcome. I really gotta thank you for this answer also. Yeah, I didn't give it yet. Uh, just on one point you mentioned, you said. I don't know exactly which class this is referring to. He said that when one can't seem to make conversation with their spouse, they should make an effort to be interested in what the spouse is interested in. Right? Okay, so just recapping, I probably did say such a thing. Makes sense. You know, if you can't come up with a topic that you both like, try to figure out what it is that your spouse likes to talk about and show interest in it and make conversation with that. Um, But I find that when I try doing this, I just become even more fed up because I could do all the right things, but it doesn't bring any good feelings from either side. There are times that two people just don't click. They can't seem to make conversation pleasantries, whether it's a matter of personality difference or similarities, or just because that's how it's created us. My question is what happens now that we are married? Can we work things out and build a relationship in spite of that there is no attraction whatsoever and that we can't even make conversation? I don't see how, at least, in parentheses. Or should we just accept the fact that we'll be sort of business partners and do our jobs to the best of our ability? If there's any way to answer this, I'd really appreciate it. Otherwise, I just want to thank you for your amazing work. Okay. Good question. The question is, there's no attraction and we don't have a feeling for one another, and where do we go from here? Right? it seems like trying to make a conversation out of what interests my spouse isn't working. And and um, you know, it's not making anyone feel good. So I thought that I understood that this is a woman writing, and could be it is, but now I realize that it does it's not it's not obvious at least. Okay, so the question is And the question is, I just want to point out the question very specifically. Okay, I like when there's a question. And over here the question is, what happens now that we're married? Basically implying that if we weren't yet married, then maybe we're just not for each other, right? People don't click sometimes. And that's where a lot of people tend to assume that if only we would have dated more, or if only we would have met each other longer, or if only I would have been given a choice, I wouldn't have... Um, fall into a relationship where I'm not attracted to someone and I'm not gonna go into the into the big idea But a lot of times it's a big mistake and sometimes people are attracted to each other initially and then they realize there's nothing left and whatever else uh, But that's that's a topic of its own Okay, and sometimes people are attracted to each other because of similarities that end up actually working against each other later on But let's not um, discuss that but the two choices over here are like this now that we're married Can we work things out and build a relationship in spite of the fact that there's no attraction or should we accept the fact that we're sort of business partners and do our jobs to the best of our ability. And I like those two choices, and I'll tell you why. Because sometimes when people make the mistake, what I think is a mistake, of, of thinking, is that, okay, there's no attraction, maybe maybe this relationship is not a relationship, maybe we should just get out. And there is a way out, right? There's a way to end the relationship, marriage is not uh, unconditional, marriage is not a commitment for life, The I to give a way out. And very often people look at these things like, like they're unsolvable, first of all, and that the other option is to just get out of a marriage, and, you know, Bok Hashem, that's... that's that's not what this question is asking. The question is, could we really make a relationship out of it? Or is it just going to be a stalemate the way it is now? And, and we'll work and we'll do our jobs as husband, wife, father, mother, and all that. Um, so yeah, yeah that's, that's definitely the right, the right attitude. In other words, not to include another choice of ending a relationship yeah. just because we're not attracted to each other. That's not uh, one of the grounds yeah. for, for Yiddish divorce. al <laughs> And B'aq and, Hashem, and, I'm just mentioning it as a... As, a, as, a, as something that people could, could listen to, not something that this questioner was even entertaining, Buh-Hasham. now, let's start with this. Sometimes, sometimes the parts of a relationship that you should be appreciating, sometimes, is the fact that you're not fighting. Now, I don't know how, how long you're married, I don't know what's going on exactly, but from what you're telling me, right, this questioner, eh, the fact that you're not um, fighting, and the fact that you're not hurting each other, and the fact that you're not um, putting each other down, is also something to appreciate. Now, sometimes people, look, people take that for granted, or people don't, can't appreciate that because that's not what they're looking for. I'm just mentioning it. Sometimes you don't realize, and, and, and you know, Surah Salah, you hear what goes on out there, and you hear that there are people that are struggling, and people that don't feel comfortable coming home, and people that can't stand being in the presence of a spouse, and things are very difficult, and there's, there's, there's um, screaming and fighting, and, and all kinds of different challenges. And the fact that you and your spouse just can't seem to make a Gishmach conversation and have attraction, okay, so I'm thankful, Hashem. And, and I mean it when I say this. You know, sometimes, sometimes you'll have to comfort yourself, sometimes, just with the fact that things could have been worse. I, I, I remember hearing from Ingeman, Hashem, well, he's long past that, but was, he was waiting a few years for children. He didn't have children for a few years. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, you can imagine. You know, everyone should have children very quickly and, and be a with whatever they need. And he was walking the street with his wife. And it was somebody who had been recently married as a much older single, was an older single and got married, and shortly afterwards got divorced. So here you are, somebody who was in his mid-40s, was, was married mummish for a short amount of time, and unfortunately was now back alone, with no wife and no children. And he saw this couple walking, it was a friend of his, walking, and he, he knew that this couple was waiting for a few years for children already, and he called over this single man to the side, he says, yeah, so just come for a second, I want to tell you something. He says, you should know some people don't even have what you have. He understood that this guy must be very down... And, and, and depressed that he doesn't have children yet and he's just reminding him, you know, some people don't even have what you have you have a wife to walk with, Boch Hashem, be thankful now Boch Hashem, this thing, a man has already and things are very different but sometimes you just have to think about it when you, when you get stuck in realizing what you don't have just just realize what you do have you just realize that Boch Hashem, it's not a relationship that's antagonistic and, and, and challenging and, and depressing, so okay, maybe that's also something I read recently a story and again, you know this is sometimes um, very Nice ideas that we can always relate to, but sometimes we have to think about them, and everyone in their own, in their own situation could think about this. So there was somebody who was who was describing a Hanukkah outing okay? somebody went with a family to a restaurant it was a husband it was a, a woman saying the story. she went with her husband and two children to a restaurant, and she was thinking, you know, if only I could have a bigger family and if only I have more people to go out with, but you know okay, this is what it is. And it was taking very long to get served in the restaurant. And all the waiters was seem, was seem, seemed to be busy with, with a different uh, party or something. So she was trying to figure out what's taking so long over here. Everyone was getting edgy ready. The kids were, were jumping around. Everyone wanted to go home. And she didn't want to have to go home and make latkes. She wanted to enjoy this. And she sees that there's a party going on over there. So she goes to the other side of the restaurant sees, wow, there's a couple there. And, and there's a big card with with uh, with the uh, wishes. And everyone's writing Happy Hanukkah. And everyone's giving a lot of attention to this older couple. And she's thinking to herself, you know, if only I'd have a couple. And if only I'd have a... a, a if I'd have a family like this. If I would have a and there would be kinder and einik Look what's going on over okay? I mean, there's so many people that are enjoying this, this Hanukkah party, and, and I was feeling very down. You know, here I am with my two children. My extended family is totally dysfunctional. And I don't have any relatives that care for me. It was, it was a, a very uh, long story. And she would say, "You know what? Let me go over to this woman who everyone's giving attention to, and 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 tell her also, you know, Hanukkah, let me at least you know try to be part of this." And she goes over and tells this woman, "I'm afraid of Hanukkah. I just wanted to wish you well, whatever." So sweet, such a nice party I have over here. So, woman tells you, "You know what? Come to this. House. I want to tell you something." She said, okay. So she felt already like awkward, not that I didn't mean anything. So you know, I saw you looking at this party, and I saw in your eyes how envious and, and how jealous you are of what I have over here. I want to tell you something. I'll tell you why, I'm make, why we're making this party. This party we're making because I wasn't supposed to be here. I was diagnosed. She was diagnosed, Islam, with her, with a and she wasn't going to be around anymore. You know, after a few months, and Baruch Hashem, she lived through it. And it doesn't seem like next Hanukkah I'm going to be here, actually. But I don't have any—I don't have any children. And my husband, who cares so much, for me, doesn't realize that I know that I'm not going to—that she's not going to be around any year from now. Um, so he's making this, this big celebration as if everything's fine. It's very hard for me to keep the secret that I really do know the truth that, you know, based on the diagnosis, next year, Hanuk, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And I don't have any family to celebrate with, but these are all the doctors and nurses that cared for me, you know, throughout the illness and, 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 and ongoing, and they decided to make me a big party. So I saw how jealous you were, I just felt I had to tell you the truth, that you don't really have anything to be jealous of. I unfortunately don't have any children of my own, and unfortunately I don't have, she doesn't have too much more time to live, and, you know, the secret of, of knowing that really she's not going to be around much longer while her husband thinks that she doesn't realize that was all too much for her to handle and they hugged and cried and whatever else and she went back to her party now this woman after hearing that felt so humbled and so thankful to Hashem that she has children and she's healthy and and has a lot to look forward to and she went back to her little family and she made them feel good and all of a sudden everything changed now I know it's a beautiful story and very inspirational but but what's really behind it sometimes that's what we need sometimes people have to hear that there's so much worse going on and so much could could happen you have to be so thankful for what you have and even when things really aren't batamt and really not gishmak just knowing that, you know, it could have been so much worse. Thank you, Hashem. It, it, it doesn't lead to a person, and it doesn't lead to a relationship. It doesn't lead to a like in the story. It, it helps a person actually go back to their spouse, to their husband, their wife, who they don't feel so attracted to, and say, you know what? Let's make this work. Let me be nice to you. Let, me, let you be nice to me. You know, we could work things out, even when there wasn't that initial attraction, how everything would, looks so wonderful, and it looks like everyone outside is really enjoying themselves. So that's definitely something that I think is, is, is good to think about. Now, like I mentioned before, I don't know how long this couple is married for. Okay, and the reason why I'm mentioning it is because sometimes you have a a couple who just got married a few months ago, and a wife is writing an email about you know I don't feel any attraction, and you know you have to let things happen, and it could be not it could be this couple's married 15 years already, and still things could change. I'm just mentioning it, and I, I mention this often that sometimes you see how things change over time, and and you know time changes things, and it's good to look forward to getting closer and building a family together, and and automatically um, becoming closer over things that may not have been there uh, in the beginning. Now, personally. Right. The question was, could we build a relationship in spite of the lack of attraction? So personally, I feel that you could. And that's why I'm sharing these ideas, because I think that really some, some feelings could start building between two people, even when they don't feel attracted, or, or don't share ideas or taste or, or opinions or things like that, initially. But But not necessarily, meaning that even if not, let's say that there's a certain difference of personality or opinion or whatever it is that's really getting in the way of two people and they can't connect, right? But there's still so much that you, and that's always the question and that's why I always mention this, always about you what you could do and not about what your spouse could do there's so much you could do and so much you could focus on and so much you could be centered around that maybe could change some of your perspective and some of your own um, personal happiness one thing, okay and that is, focus on what you're getting from someone now sometimes you realize, obviously that what you're not getting and what you're not, when you're not, um receiving in a relationship it really outshines what you are getting because that's what that's what you're focusing on that's what you're not getting but think about it what does your spouse do for you what, what are you getting now that you're married to someone what is easier in your life because you're married to someone I, well, there's so many things that you don't realize I heard this from a young man once he was very very upset with his wife about a lot of different things I'm not going to go into any detail about the story it's irrelevant he said until he, were, he, until he was hospitalized and he, you know, he had his siblings came over his friends came over but at the end of the day it was his wife who was there for him all the time in the hospital and it opened his eyes not to the fact that, okay, you no, know, Hamaz I have my wife, because when I'm in the hospital, that's when she comes. No, that's when he realized that, you know, there's really so much he does do for me that nobody else could do for me. And you take it for granted, because that's how it comes. Now, when a person is ready to focus on all they get from someone, that even though there isn't a certain amount of attraction, there's a certain amount of appreciation that builds up, there's a certain amount of good feeling, and if only we would be focused on that more often. Another thing that I think is to mention, and there's something I, I spoke about in the early shiitim, and, and I heard people I had a lot of benefits from that, And that's what I called then the the Unity Project, I think it was called, and one of my essays about it as well, about doing things together. When two people are involved in something together, they have a joint mission about something, whatever it may be, but they're both involved in something, they both want the same outcome, and they're both giving input into the same project, that alone could build something. In other words, even if looking face-to-face and just conversing or just having a personal relationship is not always so pleasant, but the fact that you're both involved in something and both joining with a certain motive and a certain goal, a certain accomplishment, that's also something that's um, very helpful. Now, in regards to a couple, very often investing in children and building a home, building a family, is something you could be both invested in very, very much. So even though there is, you know, on a personal level, when you're just sitting together in the backyard and it's a little awkward, you don't have so much to talk about, and you're not enjoying your spouse's company, but the fact that you're both very invested in children and that's your main priority in life, and that really is the main priority in life, then sometimes that could also... Be very bonding and, and, and pull people together. And one more thing is that you know there's the idea that Yank said last week about Chesed Shalamos, right? About doing something without looking to get back for it. Now I know it's very it's, it's not an easy thing. And when I say it's not easy, it means it's not even realistic to be ongoing in a Chesed Shalamos, um, you know, in in a in a with no ulterior motives at all, just in a relationship where you're constantly giving. But sometimes being a giver is fulfilling. You see this with children. When parents give for their child, right? especially for a baby, they're not doing it because the child's giving a nachos yet. Maybe they have in mind that one day he will. But giving to be a giver, when a person gives, and they want to be a giver, they're not doing it by default or because somebody's demanding it of them, but because they want to, automatically it, 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 it's fulfilling and it makes them all feel good. You know, this is my spouse. I want to prepare something for him. I want to do something for him. I want to become a better person. And I want to do it for myself. And I'll feel better giving, even without that, that attracting feeling that people would, would appreciate. So that's also something that in every relationship you could... You can focus on what you're getting and be appreciative. You can be involved in something together and you can focus on what you're giving and just be a giver and feel good about being, being a giver. So that's, that's some things that I think might enhance such a relationship. Now, let's, let's, let's talk about another point for a moment. And this is something that... that you know, pe- people, people want to live the fairytale life. And I, I don't mean anything about this question. I'm saying in general, right? That, there's that you know, The life of just doing things... And just recently I was talking to a, a marriage counselor who was dealing with a couple and struggling with, over a certain relationship and it was interesting to hear from him. I wasn't expecting to hear from him. And He said something like, you know, this couple has so little ruchnius in their life, there's so little spirituality in their life, that I don't see how they can make this marriage work. Now, it was eye-opening to hear that. And I think it's, it's when you think about it, it's quite simple. If there's no higher motive, if there's nothing higher or more, um, what was the word? If there's nothing that, that people are looking up to, there's nothing that people are really um, interested in, in terms of a higher purpose, then, then, then you could very, very often be very stuck in life. And this has nothing to do with not feeling attracted to your spouse. You can be very attracted and be enjoying a few years of good marriage and a wonderful relationship, and then somewhere you just get, you just get bored of it, or you just feel like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm spinning my wheels, right? A yid a- a- will never really feel fulfilled or feel good if he's not doing something that he believes is for a higher purpose. That's just how we are. That's how we're wired. So if you're just spinning your wheels, enjoying life, somewhere it's going to hit you that, you know, I'm wasting my time, I'm not feeling good about myself, and you fall into some kind of depression. And this is what, what a lot of people do, and a lot of people get into these bumps. What happens is when you build a home or a mashpochah, and you have a shulim bias, and you, you're living together, and there's a higher purpose involved with doing something, with building a, a, a place for a shulim And I'm not saying that you're going to be thinking about that 24-7. I just mean the idea that there's something more to it than just enjoying yourself. It, it, really, it really makes priorities in life easier to focus on, and it makes, it makes a lot of different things uh, much more meaningful. Much more meaningful. So, so you know, you, you feel like you're involved in something, you feel like you're accomplishing something. It's not only how much you're actually enjoying it or not, it's that we're, we're headed somewhere and we're getting somewhere and it's worth it. It's worth the effort. It's worth, you know, it, 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 there's something about having Shulam bias and being nice to your spouse for the sake of building a, a bias name and be through, for the sake of raising children that are going to be uvda There's something about it. And I'll just point out another interesting thing, and that is that. A friend of mine, uh, not a friend, I shouldn't call him, Romanus Friedman. Mm. Romanus Friedman talks about intimacy, and he talks about how there's so much distraction in intimate life that takes away from the emotional connection that people are supposed to be experiencing. And it's a very uh, um, um, deep concept, how people don't realize that, you know, as, as enjoyable and pleasurable as intimate life may be, being, being intimate, there's something about all the distraction and all the fun and all the enjoyment that take away from the emotional connection and actually being united the way the wanted, And that's why a lot of the haluchas that Sheikh dictates about how things should be going are about not being distracted, not being distracted by, every, by, by things going on, but actually being connected one to another. That's a very deep concept, very true as well, obviously. And sometimes when there's less attraction in a, in a relationship, maybe, and I'm not saying that this is how it should be or that I'm, I'm encouraging people to have less attraction to their spouse. I'm just saying that maybe when there's less attraction, there's less distraction. It's not all about me and you, and we, and we like having fun together, as much as let's be dedicated to something. So sometimes, even though you could obviously build up more of a relationship, like we mentioned before, maybe even if you can't, you'll stay focused on the important things in life. Maybe, maybe that's what Hashem wanted from you. So, you know, it's definitely something to, to think about, how being focused and dedicated to your children and building a home sometimes sometimes might be easier you know, when there's less fun involved. Maybe. Something to think about. And, and, and the reason why I'm mentioning this is because even if for some people this is not what they have to hear, and even some people don't want to hear it, but sometimes in the times where your relationship is not so great or in the times where you're feeling stressed out about a relationship, maybe that's what you want to focus on. You know, I'm not enjoying the relationship today. I'm angry, I'm frustrated, you know what? But, but there's more to it. It's not only about how I feel and how somebody treated me and how good I like it and how much. Maybe there's something more to it. Maybe that's the times that someone could actually focus on, on, on the real important things in life now. If this is a woman, and I'm not, I'm not sure why when I read it I assumed it was, but it doesn't matter. But if it is a woman, and even if it's not, but I'm just going to first mention if it is, being respectful to a spouse, especially to a husband, is, is non-conditional. It's not because I'm attracted to him, and he makes me feel good, and he deserves it. A husband doesn't have to deserve, doesn't have to deserve respect. Now the truth is that no human being has to deserve respect, and he's supposed to be mechabed everyone. And, and, a, and a husband to his wife as well, not a question. But there is definitely a certain respect that a wife has to give a husband that's more than you know the, 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 just the, the, the typical and it's not something a husband should have to deserve. And you have to remember that. So if, you fe- if you're feeling down about how this relationship is and you don't like it so much and it's causing you to be not respectful to someone aside from the fact that that might be causing some damage to the actual relationship, you should know you're doing something wrong. This is something that you always have to be Respectful, and a husband has to be respectful to his wife as well, even if he doesn't like her so much, or even if he, she doesn't make him feel so good. And hopefully, as time goes on, being respectful could definitely also lead to a stronger relationship, which, which time could change. One more thing I want to say, and that is that Chayn, Chayn, finding favor in someone's eyes, right, being attracted to something, is a, a duvarachni. I want to talk about this in the shir at length. Khain, you saw the Miner, Buruch of who talks about this when somebody is attracted to something, somebody likes something, right? There's something about it that has a spiritual um, element to it. And he talks about real estate, for example. Right? You find somebody buying a house, selling a house, prices go up, prices go down. What's happening? The the house is actually worth more? Somebody added something to the house and the price went up? or Somebody took away something and it went down? No. It's about what people like. People decide that the neighborhood is good, price goes up. People don't like it so much, it goes down. See, you see it all the time. When the Eibishter wants something's worth more money and somebody sells it and makes a buck and all of a sudden it goes down in price and the guy doesn't make money what's that happening? it's all from, it's all from the Irish there are things that are actually worth something and it goes by the value of what you can have from it and then there are things uh, almost everything but there are things that you see it more it's all it's all it has that spiritual element of how much somebody likes and how much somebody doesn't like it and he talks about it at, at length we find every day that we, we ask Hashem in Benching and other places we ask Hashem we should be by people. people should like us right? Chayn comes from the Eibishter. The fact that somebody is more nice to Chain or less comes from the Eibishter. The fact that you know nice the Chayn by someone and not by someone else because that One person should be more attracted to you and one person less. One person should think of you higher and one person less. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about your resume. It's Chayn. And if you're finding yourself in a relationship where there's no attraction, Davon for Chayn. to the my husband should find Chayn I should find Khain in my husband's eyes. He should find it in my eyes. We should be attracted to each other. Khain comes from the yeah. So if you're respectful and you're focusing on the right things in life and you're dedicated towards making things working and you, and you have a higher motive and a higher goal and a higher purpose in life and you talk talking with the for you never know what such a relationship could in, turn into. So the Aibishta yeah. helps them yeah. that we should be attracted to each other in a healthy way, in the right way, and be dedicated to all the right purposes in life and sharing goals in, 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 in the right way and be able to build a bias and be through.